0: This is Neijing Now, prioritizing well-being. Neijing is the vitality that shields us from disease. ease Now, demystifying medicine, cultivating resilience, empowering host resistance, prioritizing primary prevention. I'm Dr. Jaisree Chander. I welcome you to another short clip, Exploring Neijing Now. It's graduation time again, so we're turning our attention back to education. I'm speaking with Ms. Vivian. She's returning to Najing now to share her experience as an instructor of international students in a department owned by a private corporation at a major public university in the United States. Now we conducted this interview a while back and we were waiting for her to graduate or move on from her position before we post this interview. Vivian Welcome to Neijing Now.
1: Thank you very much. Happy to be here.
0: Can you tell me about your job?
1: I work as an instructor in a program which is supposed to segue and transition international students into mainstream classes.
0: Oh, interesting. Do you enjoy it?
1: I enjoy certain parts of it. I enjoy the teaching aspect of it, but I sometimes feel there are limitations to my job. Such as? I don't get to set the curriculum at all. The curriculum is pre-designed, and sometimes... I feel that I can't make modifications to suit my class because it has already been predetermined, which is generally not something that's done on most university campuses, because there's this attempt for uniformity because we're also co-owned by a corporation. And as a teacher, one of the most important things is making modification to suit the needs of your students. This is particularly important, I think, in its class with sometimes differential linguistic abilities. Every student is, has different backgrounds. They're all bringing a different set of knowledge and skills And in order for me to build scaffolding for certain projects, for certain students, I need more time in certain areas, less time in others, and I am not in a position to make any modifications. And so I feel like in this way, some of the students are just doing their best to just get by. And I feel like that's not really empowering learning. That's just teaching for a test.
0: And why is it that this is structured that way?
1: I work for a university, a large public university, but because our department is owned by a corporation, We are focusing more on profit maximization rather than actual learning. So international students bring in, you want to get as many, retain as many international students as you can. Failing them will mean they will go back to their home country. They will not continue at the school. And in fact, an agency that helped arrange for them to come over will get negative feedback and maybe no longer be able to sell this dream to their parents of getting a strong American education. And so that would be loss of profits for the school. And as a corporation, why would you do that?
0: Interesting. So, but that seems to argue for a more flexible curriculum rather than an inflexible curriculum.
1: Yeah, you would think so. So,
0: what's the barrier?
1: Because there's a real attempt for uniformity.
0: Why? Everybody's different, right?
1: Everyone is different. But we're actually based on a British model. The original corporation that bought us is actually British, though we're an American university. And I guess in the British education system, uniformity is even stronger than the American education system. This was one of the reasons we were told. Also, it's a quality control mechanism. But in my mind, I think it's distrust of the educators. And it's the idea that I may be making something easier or more difficult for my students and therefore not delivering a high quality of education. Also, all of our tests are standardized. Some of it was for the instructor's benefit. They didn't want us making different tests and different assessments for every single one of our classes so they could work us more and they could hire less teachers. So what they did is by creating a uniform system, then you have uniform assessment. I used to create my own assessments, which was great because I would say if I didn't teach the students this, if we didn't discuss it on some level, I can't hold them accountable. This is standard policy in education and this is good pedagogical philosophy, but that's not the thing. it's that there's one standard test because they can't ask us to do 18 contact hours with the level of correction we do if we're creating tests and presentations and materials for our classes. So everything is already preset. Although I redo all my materials anyways, because I know my students would all fail if I didn't redo their materials. This is another reason why. So it's uniform so they can overwork us.
0: I mean, you're becoming kind of a factory worker as a teacher.
1: I'm a glorified factory worker.
0: Yeah, it's happening in medicine too. Yeah. Wow. So this is really kind of enlightening because I have noticed that a lot of foreign students are getting into universities in America and they may not even be very high caliber students where previously it was very competitive to get to come to an American university. But now it seems like a lot of people are able to come and and now you're kind of clarifying some of the reasons why that might be. And part of it is the corporate influence university education? The former philosophy of
1: like let's say our parents generation was the top students were sent over by their government and would be given scholarships and they were or scholarships by their host university in the United States because they were absolutely exceptional whereas now because universities are much more for profit than they were before and so much is put into these marketing plans it just feels so ridiculous and slick. My department is the newest department. We look like an Apple store. In fact, Apple is helping fund us, and we have all Apple products in every room. We're forced to use iPads. We're forced to use a kind of technology that I think is $15 million investment by our school. About 20% of the instructors are actually using this technology. Of those 20% that are using it, they'll use it once or twice per semester, and it doesn't necessarily maximize learning. It's actually meant to be rapid-fire imagery at our students. It looks kind of like *The Born Identity*, the, that series of films, and I don't think it's actually helpful for learning in any way. I understand making modifications for visual learners, auditory learners, kinesthetic learners, but this just looks like a seizure trigger. There was high pressure for us to spend extra time out of our schedule to learn this technology. I refuse to to do it because I don't feel like it's helpful, and I feel like I was an effective teacher before. And in terms of making modifications for my students based on their particular needs, that to me is more important than having a bunch of imagery at students that I'm teaching rhetoric to. And I don't know how shooting flashing images at them on a screen was going to teach them about, for example, ethos, logos, and pathos, or critical thinking skills, or... You know, analyzing bias or checking credibility of sources and being more active and engaged readers and ultimately citizens here and in their own country. So um, I don't think flashing images are the way to do that. Or flashcards are the way to do that on the screen where they touch and they turn over and they make noise. It
0: sounds to me like it's training students to be familiar and comfortable with Apple products so that when they go out and get a job, they can buy more Apple products.
1: Yes, um, but in their defense, though, the Starboards, the Born Identity kind of images with flashing screens, I don't think is an Apple product. It's a huge, apparently huge corporation that we've also contracted with. And I think that there's also an entertainment factor. I mean, and I do get it. We're acknowledging that, yes, you know, education and pedagogy is supposed to reflect also external cultural changes as well in the classroom to make it meaningful. But I think by appealing to shortened attention spans that can handle 15-minute segments of flashing lights, I don't think that that's doing anyone any favors. It's just making the problem
0: worse. Yeah, I agree with you. Wow, that's really incredible. I'm, I'm actually very sorry to hear this, but it sounds to me like part of the reason is that public funding for public education is dropping dramatically and so educational institutions are turning to corporations to fund them and so then we're going to have conflicts of interest.
1: You know there was a point where I said well maybe if they're getting more international students maybe they can have more scholarships. We had like a professional development day and I mentioned the scholarship factor for our program because our campus was chosen as of the seven or eight centers. Like sister schools, we're number one. And I think the reason we're number one is because we're so insanely profitable. Because there's no other reason I can imagine that we're number one. Maybe student satisfaction. I don't know. So I, I'm kind of going with that. I asked about scholarships. Like, are there scholarships being available in all this money to come to, let's say, amazingly bright students? And they said, yes, because we're doing all of these programs in all these different countries for international recruitment but every country they're doing international recruitment in for these programs where they're possibly going to be offering student scholarships are other really economically advanced nations. They talked about South Korea, Japan, Taiwan. These are nations that have quite developed economies, and they're not going for countries that I'm sure also have exceptional students that also can benefit from an American education. And the reason, you know, an American education originally was good is because we had such great critical thinking skills. But I feel like we're moving away from that. We're kind of doing edutainment. It's like a mixture of education and entertainment. And I don't know. The whole system is kind of complex. Yeah.
0: And it's just geared to getting a stamp of approval. A paper, a certificate.
1: A paper, a certificate, and clearing the space for more money to come
0: in. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing this with us, Vivian. It's been really enlightening.
1: Thank you. And I'd also like to say that for every comment that I've made, there are students on these campuses that are international students that are wonderful. In fact, the majority of them are wonderful and work incredibly hard. I feel sometimes that their families are being taken advantage of when they come over with maybe not the adequate skills. So I'm in no attempt trying to villainize these students or their families, maybe hawkish recruitment agencies having international students on a campus is wonderful, especially the small American town. Without these international students, you know, many of the local domestic students would not be going abroad. And this is kind of the closest they're having to having international students and international, international friends, international interactions, and possibly a more open outlook on the world, which is only
0: a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Very well said. Thank you again, Vivian. Thank you very much. I'm Dr. J. Shree Chander, creator of Neijing Now, a podcast about prioritizing well-being, on the web at neijingnow.org. Neijing Now is independent and entirely listener-supported. If you enjoyed the clip, please share it with your friends. Like us on Facebook and donate generously. Your support is essential to keeping Neijing Now alive.